up, everybody? This is Jeff Desiato, and you're listening to episode 36 of the Real Person, Real Needs podcast. Just a couple housekeeping notes before we get started on today's topic. I am almost complete. I've almost completed uh, my first ebook, which is based on the, the six podcasts we did a couple weeks back. It's, the book is called Six Words That'll Turn Your Passion into Your Purpose. You can check out sixwordsbook.com, the number six wordsbook.com for more information about that. It should be completed in the next week or so. I encourage you to download that when it's available, to sign up, to find out when it will be available. And uh, another thing that you can now do, if you go to my website, uh, you can actually send me a voicemail directly through my website. If you have any comments or a question that you'd like to ask me about your own business or um, something that you are unclear about and I can help you in any way, I'd love to do that. Just go to my website, realpersonrealneeds.com, and at the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see something that says send voicemail. You can click that, record uh, from your microphone directly on your computer or on your phone, and uh, you can send that over to me. I'd really appreciate hearing from you guys. Maybe we'll feature your question on the podcast. Who knows what we can do? Uh, a lot of opportunities that I would like to connect with all of you listeners out there. Um, again, just before we continue, you can check us out. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or Podbean, whatever podcatcher you use. And I would encourage you, if this podcast I, has spoken to you, I know it has. I've heard from several of you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind going to iTunes and uh, sending us a review, that would be excellent. Uh, that just helps get the word out, helps uh, move our podcast up a little bit. Uh, but before we get started, I just wanted to share this email with you uh, from a friend of mine who has been listening to the podcast. She says, I want to thank you for taking the time to share your life with the world. To be so open and transparent is really a blessing. When I started reading the things you write, it made me come alive. Uh, I really appreciate messages like that. I, I sent an email uh, this past week just to get people caught up on what I'm doing, updating them on how we've contributed $1,500 uh, from my real estate commission to the three different nonprofits that we talked about back on the podcast, part of the Real Person, Real Needs Initiative, um, where I give uh, 10% or $250, depending on um, the round number there. If it's under $250, I'll give 10% of whatever that difference is. And give that to Habitat for Humanity, or Together We Rise, or um, Bethany Vila in Brazil. So that's really exciting to be able to, to keep people posted on that. Um, the contribution that I had just made to Habitat for Humanity was going towards a project that they're working on in Bridgeport, PA, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump from where I'm located. Um, and I was also just updating my sphere on uh, you know what my family's been doing for the summer. My wife's a school teacher, so... We had the day off, or we had the summer off together. I mean, I work, but since I work uh, and I'm self-employed, I can arrange my schedule so that we can spend a lot of time together, which is a blessing. And sometimes it can be a curse when the kids are jumping off the walls and we can't wait for them to go back to school. But we uh, we got to have some day trips at the beach, Academy of Natural Sciences we went to, Adventure Aquarium, a couple different things that we've done this summer, which has been fun. And I'm pretty, as I mentioned on the podcast, I'm pretty transparent. I share a lot of things with the people that are in my sphere about my life, um, also, you know, letting them know about the podcast if they don't already listen, and then her email was a response to that, because, you know, people aren't used to finding out about business owners and what they're doing in their personal lives, but I see no problems uh, holding, you know, 
open camp, I guess, or open practice so people can see what I'm doing. Um, and I also i am very open about my pursuit of the performing arts. I was just uh, recently cast in a production of Evita. I'm excited about that. That's going to be in November. After that, I'll be moving right into a professional murder mystery dinner theater company uh, through the holiday season. We'll be doing that. I also have a uh, cabaret performance coming up next February. So lots, lots going on, and I wanted to keep people up on that and uh, let you guys know as well. Um, it's kind of cool, and, I, and the reason I share it is because as I talk about these things, about turning your passion into your purpose, it's important that you see how I'm putting it into practice as well and seeing if it's failing or succeeding, right? I mean, it's important that we... I'll be the guinea pig, as it were. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about today is actually kind of jumping off from... Couple podca- uh, a couple blog posts that I had written and uh, some newsletters that I had sent out as, in terms of real estate. I don't really talk about real estate specifically that much on the podcast, but I find that th- these types of uh, these stories that I'm going to share today are uh, they go across industries because of w- the the moral of the story, I should say. So buckle up, I'm going to talk about real estate for a little bit and specifically truth. And how we can use truth as our superpower in the businesses that we run. Uh, it comes down to being authentic, to having integrity, being generous. There are a lot of people that can be authentic, but without truth, you can't have authenticity. There's got to be a layer, and truth has to be the foundation. And then you can, you know, there are different ways that you can be authentic. You can be, you know, expressive about what you believe in. You can just be really upstanding all the time. Um, The way I choose to be authentic is warts and all, wearing my heart on my sleeves, telling you what I believe in, whether you agree with it or not, and making people feel comfortable in who they are because I'm comfortable with who I am. That's how I kind of define authenticity. And then generosity, obviously, is a huge pillar in my business. But truth is the foundation. If you don't have truth, you have nothing. And in the culture that we live in, truth is subjective. Truth in actuality is objective. There is no um, misinterpretation when it comes to the truth. It's either the truth or a lie. And people in my industry specifically uh, have a reputation for bending that truth or massaging the truth. And I just wanted to take a, a moment to highlight some of these things. Now, as I get started, I don't want to give the impression to people that I'm saying that real estate agents are just out and out lying all the time. They're not. I know... Most of the real estate agents that I've worked with, dealt with, I felt very comfortable that they were being upfront and honest with me. But unfortunately, there are a few bad apples. I'm sure you might have horror stories as a result. They spoil it for all of us, the rest of us. So it's important that we recognize the truth of the, of the situation, which is that there are stereotypes about real estate agents out there that are founded on truth and then disassociating ourselves from those stereotypes. I know that real estate agents will massage certain aspects of facts and to make buyers and sellers feel comfortable. And that also helps them to survive because otherwise they wouldn't be able to survive in the, uh, the industry that's been created and the culture that has been established in real estate. Now, it's my mission to be authentic and transparent in everything that I do in my personal life and my professional life. Sometimes that means shining a light on some of the deceptive practices, especially those that are prevalent within the real estate industry. Now, admittedly, 
this approach is not always met with enthusiasm. We talked that on, about that on the podcast about making enemies, and um, that was in episode eighteen, episode twelve. When you dare to be different, the critics will come. Uh, people don't <laughs> applaud and and explode confetti and streamers when I walk into a room. They don't sing for he's a jolly good fellow, especially not after this episode. But as you'll discover, sometimes my commitment to the truth comes at the cost of losing out on possible income for my family because I'm unwilling to lie about the value of a home for my own gain. As a real estate agent, what people don't often realize is I'm go- a lot of times people give you a price that's beneficial for you because it's more than the house is worth, but it also entitles them to more of the the pie because they get they get money based on the percentage of the sale. So the more they can sell it for, the more money they make. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they can predict what a home sells for. And that's what we're going to talk about. I see it as my duty to protect my clients, to protect the reputation of my business, and to separate from those that are going to be unethical, those that are going to misrepresent the facts, that are going to play to their advantage, uh, whatever little nuance to contracts and all that kind of stuff. Everybody I come in contact with, I need to practice what I preach, to be authentic and generous in a superficial and self-centered world. So first I wanted to talk about buyers, home buyers and pricing. One of the truths that buyers don't want to hear is that right now we're no longer in a buyer's market. Everyone still thinks they can get a steal of a deal, but frankly, those days are long gone. Supply is down, which means there's fewer houses on the market. And demand is up, which means there's more buyers to compete with. This this just happened. Clients of mine, we've been working for a long time. We haven't been able to find the right house for them. A beautiful house came on the market. They had 20 showings in two days, four offers by the second day, over asking price. Insane, right? It's good if you're a seller, not if you're a buyer. It means that buyers are going to need to pay more for a home today than they would have for that same home just a year ago. But as a result, buyers don't want to hear that. They miss the boat. I deal with this all the time. They they tell agents, <laughs> this leads many agents to tell them what they want to hear, set unrealistic expectations, and feeds the stereotype of the misleading salesman. The stereotype has a negative effect on the agent-client relationship. Because rather than trusting the professional, people tend to listen to family, friends, and internet articles about the current state of the real estate market. I hear this all the time. Well, my uncle bought a house six years ago for 20% of its value, so I should be able to do that too. Or my dad said that this was priced too high. Or my uncle Fred said that I shouldn't pay more than this for this house. Well, Uncle Fred bought a house in 1997. (laughs) That doesn't really translate to 2016. But we deal with it all the time as real estate agents. And if you're listening as a real estate agent to this podcast, I don't know why you would, but hey, we're I'm, I'm excited that you're listening and you're trying to find out about a different way to do things. Uh, but we deal with it all the time and people are more willing to listen to the person they trust that knows nothing about real estate than the person who knows everything about real estate, but they don't trust them as far as they can throw them. This is very frustrating. In any other industry, you trust the person who's been trained and is making their living by being an expert in that field. You go to the doctor. The doctor says, you need to take this prescription. You take it most of the time. (laughs) Some people are really 
sticklers and they don't take anything. They don't listen to anybody. They don't trust anybody. But for the most part, an expert, a trusted profession, you do what they say. That's why you go to them for their opinion because you trust that they know more about that than you do. But for some reason in real estate, it doesn't work that way. It's because of the negative reputation that real estate agents have developed. I find that I'm constantly combating misconceptions in every interaction with clients and prospective clients. I often have to remind clients that this is not a flea market. This is the housing market. The idea of bartering doesn't carry over in the same way. For instance, there's such a thing as a fair market value and offering someone $200,000 for a $300,000 listing and assuming they will just counter offer back and forth and haggle until they get the deal you want is ludicrous. And more importantly, it's insulting to the seller and his agent. It's a waste of time for them to have to respond. Oftentimes, they'll just reject it outright and say, bring a serious offer. The end result is that of expecting your money to go further than it can in today's market until many of the homes that you can realistically afford are off the market and you're left to settle for something less than desirable due to time constraint and low inventory. This happens all the time because people set unrealistic expectations for how far their dollar can go so that they look at these houses that they won't be able to get and then everything that's in their price range looks terrible to them. Because they watch HGTV, they watch all these things that where the people are buying houses in different states and they don't understand how that reflects in the current economic climate in their neighborhood. It's why I always try to hit potential clients with the hard truth up front in order to set appropriate expectations. Unfortunately, it's an ugly truth and people don't want to hear it. I remember when we first bought our condo and we found out that it was going to take a lot more money than we had to get the, the ball rolling. It was hard. We're, we think... We're just going to buy a house. And then you find out you can only afford a small condo with, with what you're going to be pre-approved for and all that stuff. And you feel like the, the real estate agent is the bad guy in that situation. But he's not. He's being honest, and I appreciate that. Let's talk about property condition for a second. Buyers don't want to hear that when buying a home that is not new construction, you're buying a used item with a lot of wear and tear. And chances are the home is priced to reflect that. Again, assuming that the listing agent is honest, good at what they do, and is not misleading potential buyers. I, I wrestle with sellers about the, the value of their home because I'm saying the buyer needs to feel comfortable that they're getting a good deal just as much as you want to get the, a good deal. Also, based on the seller's disclosure and a visual inspection, you should be able to figure out what items will need to be replaced in a few years. For example, the roof looks pretty shoddy. You're probably going to have to invest in that. The heating system is really old. You're probably going to have to replace that. You could probably figure that out before you have a home inspection, if you have a good real estate agent. A good agent will encourage buyers to make a suitable offer based on the condition of the home and the expectation that some repairs and upgrades should be put into the budget in the coming years. But unfortunately, as I said, we, we watch these property shows, these reality shows, which are not reality. Buyers often expect a completely pristine, updated home for less than asking price. Then, lo and behold... We received the 40-page home inspection report that lists every single defect in the home, and the buyers think they've bought a money pit. They use that information, some of which includes minor things like a cracked light switch cover, to either ask for the moon or to back out of the deal entirely. The truth is that most homes are like used cars. You need to assume that there are things that are going to break the moment you cross the threshold on settlement day. That's simply part of being a homeowner. No risk, no reward. It's the American dream, quote-unquote, which is what I laugh about on a regular basis because why would that be a part of your dream, to buy a house and have it fall apart? But that's what we deal with. 
And it used to be that once you bought a house that your sweat equity was what you valued in that house. Now, we don't want to put any effort out at all, especially as a buyer. Now, I try to have potential buyers put themselves in the seller's shoes. This is difficult, but I try. The seller takes his agent's advice, prices his home $15,000 lower than he thinks it should be based on the fact that there are some things that will need to be repaired or replaced in the next few years. He also makes sure to disclose the age and condition of the home and every major item in the home in the seller's property disclosure statement. For instance, the roof is 20 to 25 years old. It will certainly need to be replaced sooner than later. Then along comes a buyer who can't believe that such a great house is available in his price range. Not realizing, and this is why it's important that you have someone who's going to tell you the truth, not realizing that the very reason it's in their price range is because some major items will need to be replaced. After seeing the home in person and signing the seller's property disclosure, this particular buyer offers the seller full asking price. Wahoo! All all is right with the world. Until... Unfortunately, once the home inspector does his job and recommends that the roof be replaced, all of a sudden, the buyer considers the home to be unsafe, even though the roof has never leaked, and wants to negotiate a price reduction or ask the seller to spend an additional $10,000 to have the roof replaced. Now, had the condition of the roof changed from the time the buyer had seen the property and acknowledged that he understood the age of the roof and the time the home inspector had drawn up his report? More than likely, nothing had changed. So why now should the buyer expect a new roof to be installed? This is something that I never get. I don't understand it. Whether it's the buyer or the seller, someone always expects the other party to pony up to their demands. They simply don't want to compromise so that the deal is mutually beneficial. In the seller's mind, he's already conceded fifteen grand off the initial price based on the age of the roof and has been forthright with the buyer. He said... The roof is old. You probably have to replace it. That's why it's priced this way. And they had no problem with the age of the roof at the time the offer was made. The deal is now in jeopardy because the seller doesn't understand why he should lose an additional $10,000 because the buyer wants a new roof. Now, I try to stress this to the buyer. What if the shoe were on the other foot? Hopefully this truth will hit home with them. When the buyer becomes a seller many years down the road, because they're going to be, in 10 to 20 years, they're going to be facing a buyer who's making demands or threatening to walk away from the deal. I always encourage my client to see things from the other side of the transaction. This helps to remove a little bit of the emotional aspect of the transaction by imagining the shoe being on the other foot. I hear this oftentimes, like, why does the seller have to pay the commissions for the real estate agent? Well, for the reason that you didn't pay the real estate agent when you bought the home. The seller did. So why is it a problem now that you're the seller? You had no problem getting free real estate services when you bought the home. Now, all of a sudden, you have a problem with it now that you're selling the home. We have to see things from both sides. And this, even though I'm talking about very nitty-gritty details of real estate here for a second, these principles apply across industries. Being truthful up front, a strong opener up front, not misleading. If you mislead, if you tell a lie, if you massage the truth at the beginning, you're playing catch up the rest of the time. If you're truthful from day one, even if you lose out, you can 
put your head on the pillow at night. You can feel comfortable that the people that are working with you are people that trust you, that aren't going to bail on you because you told them some really hard things up front. You didn't tickle their ears with nonsense. You told them the truth and they value that and they've stuck by you. Even if you're you know, you're not giving them a deal, they know that you're being truthful and they value that above getting something on the cheap. You get what you pay for. That's something we'll talk about now as we switch and take our attention to the seller's perspective. When you're on the seller side, <laughs> I deal with this and these there's I'm going to share two stories with you that'll be frustrating to you, I'm sure, but this is what I deal with on a daily basis. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to give you the details. I changed some of the details of the, the stories because I want to save the reputations of those involved. But the truth that sellers don't want to hear is that the market determines the sale price of their home. I'm still amazed that this information comes as a shock to most people. Most sellers believe, and this is a mis- misrepresentation given by our negative reputation industry, that the agent determines the sale price of their home. The agent does not determine the sale price of the home. It's not true. Well, not if you want your home to actually be sold. The value of a home in today's market is determined by what a ready, willing, and able buyer is willing to pay for it. Now, I am an analytical person. I know it doesn't seem like that on the podcast because I just vamp and, and ramble for 30 minutes. But I really think about things. I might not articulate them verbally as well as I can in written form. But being an analytical person can help me and it can hurt me in my business because I'm a slave to data. Even though, as I said before, we are moving into a seller's market, it doesn't mean that the pendulum has swung fully into the seller's market where it's actually going to make people overpay. But sellers don't want to hear that either. Just like buyers don't want to hear that they missed out on a good deal. They don't want to hear that they have to actually maybe pay list price or compete for a home. Sellers don't want to hear that they can't overprice their home by forty grand and not get it. But what I always tell sellers is that a potential buyer who's working with a good agent, who trusts the data, will not overpay for a home when the data still shows the lingering effects of the buyer's market on a comparable properties in the area. Meaning, three months ago, somebody bought the house next door. That doesn't mean that in three months from now, just because there's less there's fewer homes on the market that you're going to make 30000 more for the same house. It doesn't work that quickly. Things don't change that quickly. The buyer is going to say, why should I pay 30000 more for the same house that sold for 30000 less three months ago? So there are some lingering effects that you have to negotiate and figure out. But the problem is, is that this can lead to a standoff between buyers and sellers because no one wants to concede their position because they're afraid they're either going to lose money or pay too much. When I first started in real estate, I knew that I could use my numbers background to help me when trying to correctly price my first listing. I determined based on the numbers that I was looking at that a particular home would probably price well at $250,000. But being new to the business, I went to some more seasoned real estate agents to get their opinion. Most of them told me that my price was way too low and I could probably get closer to two eighty-five, dollars maybe even $300,000 for the home. Because they had more experience than I did, I bumped up the value in my head to somewhere between 260 285 because they said 285 easy. I presented those numbers to my clients. Well, 
we split the difference, priced it at 275, and the house sat on the market for almost six months. After two price reductions, the final one putting the home at 245, slightly lower than where I originally thought it should be, for my own personal analysis, the home received two competing offers, which brought the final sale price above the final listed price and ended up selling for $250,000. I kid you not, the exact price that I thought it would sell for. And that was my very first listing. I hit the nail on the head by using the data. The objective truth, as it were. The facts. My ability to read the data going forward, for me, was what I was going to base it. I doubted myself. I didn't believe that I could trust my own analysis. It worked out for me and my clients. We sold the house. I was proven right by my assessment. For me, I was able to trust myself going forward and my ability to read the data. But for my clients, they were able to sell their home, so they they lucked out, even though it was for a little bit less than I originally presented to them. They weren't too unhappy, thankfully. But can you imagine what would have happened if I was unable to sell it because I had listened to someone who was comfortable overpricing a home to see what would happen? It doesn't (laughs) – this is something I deal with on a regular basis. Being honest and trusting the data does not always work out well for me or the sellers. As I mentioned before, it's sometimes my unwillingness to massage the numbers that causes me to miss out on a potential listing because someone else comes along and promises to sell the home for more than its current value. Don't ask me how they come up with their numbers, but this, again, is something that is frustrating to me and should be frustrating to the consumer as well. For example, an old friend of mine called me to discuss possibly listing their home. So I ran the numbers. Unfortunately, had to inform them that they would be unable to sell their home for any more than they bought it for. This was due to the downturn of the housing market, slow recovery from the housing crisis in 2008. In fact, they'd probably lose money once the total costs of, were deducted from the sale, the closing costs, paying the real estate agents, the, the transfer taxes, all that stuff. I think I quoted them a potential price at or, a, or maybe $1,000 more than they paid for it. Maybe it was the exact price of what they paid for it. They decided to try to sell their home their sell, themselves for sale by owner. No hard feelings for me because I'm in a similar position with the condo that I own. I talked about this on uh, probably the second episode of the podcast, Moving is the Worst. Talked about my, my current situation. One of the things that really was f- fundamental in me establishing the two pillars of authenticity and generosity, actually. Fast forward a few months, it turns out they did decide to sell their house with a real estate agent. But that agent was not me. Now, I understand they were under no obligation to use me. However, the agent they selected listed the home for 15000 more than I would have. Sounds great to a potential seller, right? Obviously, it looked like I didn't know what I was talking about when another agent, who had been in the business for a longer period of time, comes along and promises to sell their home for 15000 more than the value I had placed on it. Sadly, the home sat on the market for six months, and after several price reductions, the home finally sold. Can you guess how much it sold for? For $500 more than I than they paid for it. Now, I felt bad for them. Not because they didn't agree with me, but because they had only prolonged the inevitable. They trusted a professional who told them something that was music to their ears, after they having had someone in the same profession tell them something they did not want to hear. I felt bad for them because I could imagine them getting their hopes propped up and then immediately dashed with each showing that did not result in an offer. No doubt the recurring feedback from each potential buyer was that it was priced too high. 
But finally, I felt bad for them because even after having accepted an offer for almost exactly what they paid for it, they still had to pay the listing agent, the person who told them what they wanted to hear, and the buyer's agent to handle the transaction, which means that they actually lost money in the process, not to mention the six months of principal and interest they paid on the house while it sat on the market. Now, they still would have lost money had they decided to go with me, but at least I told them that hurtful truth up front, which ultimately led them to go in a different direction. Instead, they spent six months being told that they wouldn't lose any money, but ended up right back where they started with me. So yeah, I ended up being proven right, but I don't get much satisfaction from it. In fact, what do I have to show for it? Not much, professionally speaking. Someone else got to add that listing to their transaction history, got to add a few extra dollars into their pocket at the expense of my friend, even though they were wrong in their assessed value of the home. Does that seem fair? Hardly. But you know what? In a strange way, I did benefit from the experience. Ultimately, it solidifies my commitment to do what is right before what is profitable. This is the moral of the story, folks. Whatever business you're in, whatever you're taking care of, whatever you've been entrusted with, do what is right before what is profitable. This is what it comes down to. Authenticity, generosity. This is what I commit to doing in my business. This is what I'm trying to do with the podcast is to get this message out to the world, to be a real person who meets real needs. Now, it also helps me to operate with integrity and trust my instincts, even though I may not immediately benefit from them. This isn't the churn and burn mentality where you try something, it doesn't work, and you try something else later. You got to go with the long game approach. We talked about this. We talked about this in the six ways to turn your passion into your purpose. Patience was the final word because it takes time. If you want to build something lasting, if you want to build something worthwhile, you can't do it on the back of dishonesty, of deception. It has to be built on the foundation of truth, of integrity, of generosity, doing what is right before what is profitable. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me as I close. I'm not saying that I'm always right when I assess a home's value and that other agents are always wrong. I'm merely giving two specific examples of how I operate my business and how it directly affects clients and potential clients. There are several instances when a home sold for more than I thought it would. And in my business, that's a mistake I'm more than willing to make because it is only benefiting my clients. It's not hurting them. So the moral of this, be watchful for those who tell you everything you want to hear. Run from those people. I really think that this is something that's lacking in business, in our communities, but ultimately, as you're getting ready to start your venture, make sure that you're building on a foundation of truth, even though truth can be painful, even though it's medicine that we don't want to take, it's going to come back and benefit you in the end. Folks, thanks for listening. Hopefully you were able to glean something from this, even though it was real estate heavy. I appreciate your attention, your time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you are in real estate and you listen to the podcast, thank you so much for daring to think differently about what we're doing here in this industry. I'd love to hear from you. I know there are a few real estate agents that have liked my Facebook page over the uh, the last few months. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you, connect with you, find out what you're doing in your real estate business. 
even if you're outside of real estate, I would love to hear from you. If you're looking for encouragement, like I said, go to my website, realpersonrealneeds.com. Send me a voicemail. I'd love to hear your voice to connect with you. See if we can continue to build this community. If you're interested in setting up, I have uh, established a closed group on Facebook. You can go and search Real Person Real Needs on Facebook. You can probably find the group there. I'll let you in. Um, Again, it's not like a leads thing. It's not a, hey, here's what I'm doing buy from me kind of group. It's a an idea of networking with like-minded individuals who value authenticity and generosity above all things. So folks, until next time, I appreciate uh, your patience listening to this episode and I also appreciate your patience in uh, the, one, the, the fact that it was a day late uh, getting out to you. So until next time, be real, keep it real. Thanks for listening and Godspeed.